Mystery 101. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from the R&D department of Nintendo headquarters out in Japan is none other than Mr. Jamalias. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, Fred, tonight. How are you? Good. Actually, I should have put you out in Akihabara at, like, Super Potato. That would have been far more exotic. Yeah. Plus, that's the only place you're going to find a fucking DD these days. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. anyway, uh, what's up? Welcome, guys. Uh, tonight's topic, as we've kind of hinted at, is the Nintendo 64 DD. This comes to us from... Oh, it's 9 a.m. Sorry, sir. Uh, from uh, patron Jesse. Jesse is uh, one of our Patreon members. If you two want to contribute, you can just head over to patreon.com forward slash gaming history 101 and one dollar a month will get you into voting for our game club which uh, just to review for people right now is uh, we had Mega Man x we had majora's mask and we have sin and punishment and uh i'm not going to tell you who's winning right now it's really easy to tell if you uh if you are a patron, uh, but you can head over there, and if you do three dollars a month, you will be entered into one of our lovely drawings, such as um, a listener that uh, entered himself or herself—I believe it's a him—into the. Oh, actually, I have his address. Yes, it is a him. Uh, into <laughs> the uh, the the Genesis Mega Drive Top Ten Challenge, and while they were not a patron, um, they did get uh, uh, the patrons were up for it. And uh, I got themselves a, a Genesis collection. And actually, Jam, uh, they were like, uh, he was like, you know, I- I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, I don't have a PS3 or a 360, but I do okay. live in America. And he goes, can any chance I can get that PS2 collection? And wouldn't uh. you know it, uh, I believe his name is Eric. I think Eric is who won. Um, wouldn't you know it, I managed to find a really beautiful copy of the nice. PS2 collection to send his way, and I found out today that it's uh, en route to him. Yeah. So That's a nice collection on the PS2 as well. I guess we should probably re- appreciate that this being gaming history 101, there might be some people that don't have modern consoles that listen to this show. Yes. Uh, um... And actually, I liked that. Sorry, I'm responding mm. to Voss. Now, That's Voss right. doesn't need to worry because Voss was actually a patron, so he's automatically entered. So you're entered into a contest you didn't even know. However, I bet Voss wanted to give his input on the top 10. So, what I'm going to do, especially for people like him, who's a patron, uh, I will also put that post up on the Patreon thing. Uh, but it is open to all people. And just in case you haven't gotten caught up on the show, which is totally fine, the whole point of Gaming History 101 is that it's timeless is that uh, every month we're doing a top 10. Last month was Mega Drive Genesis. Um, and Voss, you are welcome to go under that post and or hit us up on contact and give us your top 10. We'll share it on the show. Um, and uh, 
that, and then this month we'll be, uh, at the beginning of May, we'll do the N64 one, which Jam and I have already weeded out our top ten, but we haven't <laughs> debated where those are going to be. Um, yet again, another controversial one, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but then we will open it up to the community. So basically, the week after we do the top ten, we release the top ten, you can either leave on the YouTube video, because there will be a video on the post on Gaming History 101 on the Patreon post, or through contact, you hit us up with your top ten. And the way we work it is the number one game you give gets ten points, number two game gets nine points, all the way down to number ten, which gets one point. We get a, a bunch of participants. Last time we got, I think, ten. I'd like mm-hmm. to get more like 20. We put them all together, and boom. We get uh, uh, we get uh, voting. So there you go. Oh, Voss says, I meant the game club voting. Yes, the game club is up there. I thought you voted, but I could be wrong. Uh, so Probably. Can you send a PM now to you or something? Uh, yeah, actually, while we're talking, I'll jump in there because uh, mm. I, I think I'll get some downtime. I'll jump into the Patreon and make sure uh, Voss has <laughs> voted. Also... If you aren't in the mood for contributing, we always just love that you listen and or uh, read and or download the podcast and or other shows and videos and whatnot. Uh, you are always welcome to just come join us here live, allgames.com, every uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And no, you do not have to be a patron. We do not age gate or pay gate any of our content. So don't worry about that. Um, with that in mind, um, let's uh, let's get started on. Speaking of the top tens, we did have. I have to make a couple of real quick announcements, and we did have an email about it. So, mm-hmm. uh, from anonymous, we got an anonymous person. Um, a lot of people called anonymous. Yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently, they all think they're anonymous, but uh, uh, so. Um, which is that I'm sorry about the. Uh, the delay on uh, my coverage of my three games, although I haven't seen jams either, so I guess I'm okay. Um, but but it's, they're all probably going to come out all this very similar times. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Actually, I'm looking at the post right here on uh, on here. And Voss, did you vote? No, you have not. So Voss, you want to go check that out? The post was called. Vote on the May Game Club, published April 8th. So you can go check that out under your patron thing. And you can see who's currently winning. I should point out that uh, Jam posted up uh, Sin and Punishment. I posted up Zelda. And uh, in the case of a tie with those, uh, you know, we, we throw our hat in the ring. If uh, the agreed upon one is up there, which would be Mega Man X, there you go. And then you can, of course, elect your own. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you can go check that out. Uh, anyway. All right. So, uh, the reason for my videos was, uh, one, I did a retro game challenge of, uh, Super Empire Strikes Back and I'd played that game a lot in my youth and I'd beaten it before <laughs> many times actually. And mm-hmm. I was playing through it. There are three difficulty settings. There's easy, brave, and Jedi. And I, uh, um, children. No. Uh, (laughs) i've beaten rocket knight now despite what that video said so um what uh what uh um what uh what ended up happening was i played through the game on brave which is the medium setting all the way up to a certain point where you basically have to do an on-rail shooting thing um 
for those that have played the game, it's the snow speeder, but not the actual snow speeder where you do the fun stuff like take out the ATATs and stuff. It's actually a side scrolling like shmup style, but you take up like 40 to 50% of the screen mm. and they just throw guys at you and you just have to survive. And it's real easy on easy on brave. It's very difficult. And then on Jedi, it's nearly impossible. And when I looked <laughs> for advice, people were like, well, you basically just have to play it over and over again until you luck out, which is why yeah. no, no death playthroughs play that way. They all play easy. Uh, also some of the harder parts of that game are on easy. So again, it's a little less of, um, it's a little less of, uh, oh, huh, that's weird. Okay, Voss, remember, those won't be on the main Gaming History 101 site. Those are only through your pay- Patreon console, so you'll want to check there. Um, but, uh, but anyway, um, and you won't see it if you just go on the site. You have to be logged in. Once you're logged in, you should see it under the activity feed. Anyway, um, so yeah, so so when I'm playing through it, people were like, yeah, I mean, you don't have to play through it on easy, but it's more of like a patience thing, not a challenge thing. You know what I mean? Mm. And so then I went back and looked at the five hours it took me to get to that point, and all of the volume was just blurty and loud. So I'm fucking done trying to figure out Hapog's capture box and making the volume balance out and stuff like that. I'm just going to record the audio separate like I always have, the video separate like I always have, and then put them together in post and it'll sound fine. So I restarted the game and in less than an hour I was back to that same spot. <laughs> so and I'm very glad I did now that I've beaten it. So I just need to put it together. I'm going to be doing some fun stuff with the camera in the background. I'm going to actually do uh, commentary after playing it while I'm playing it. So we'll see how this goes. Um, that's also going to lead to a couple of videos coming up uh, called Is It Kusoge? I've talked about this, which Kusoge is uh, shitty games that are beloved in Japan. Mm-hmm. Then there are shitty games, and then there are good games. And so I'm going to play a game to find out which it is. Is it good, is it shitty, or is it Kusoge? And the first game up is Donkey Kong awesome. Country. <laughs> because you wrote a review, Jam. Uh-huh. It was a fair review. And now I want to go back and play it. So I'm going to go back and play that. Uh, the second game, which Fortingard's already seen in the tweets, is The Shield. <laughs> found a PS2 game for The oh, Shield. So, oh, uh, it. <laughs> and it does have, uh, what's his face, uh, Michael Chiklis as likeness. Oh, so, yeah. So, oh, wow. But, uh, oh, well, there you go. So, all right, Voss. Well, um, yeah, let me figure out what's going on with that. I, I apologize. I'll need to look, do some digging into it. But uh, anyway, um, so there's that. Uh, so those videos will go live soon. I do have the hockey one coming up, and then uh, Rumble Roses will wrap up the uh, the week. And Jam, you've got uh, coverage coming soon, I'm guessing. I sh- I've got. Uh, I should. Two of my games should be posted this week with um, with well with content. I've got one of them. I've got something quite different planned. I'm just hoping the person I'm doing it with is going to be prepared to do. It's basically like an extra, extra credit episode, basically on it. Cool. Um, I won't spoil it for which game it is, though, because that's kind of part of the surprise. But hopefully, both two should be out this week, and then the other one will be the week after. So not long. And Tiger Claw says, uh, "Good or shitty? What if it's in between?" That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good in, point. In fact, for Kusage, we're going to say it's either worth playing, not worth playing, or Kusage. So there you go. Which is so bad, it's worth playing uh, anyway. Um, but. Uh, so yeah, so all that stuff's coming up, so watch for it. I'm going to start cranking that stuff out more 
more frequently. Uh, <laughs> I just got kind of bogged down um, with these challenging games, like with Star Wars plus Rocket Knight plus me playing Bloodborne for fun. That's quite that. That is just a wear down there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so we'll get that going. Um, but uh, yeah, just letting people know about that. And last but not least, uh, you guys might have seen me writing about my post, uh, me going to the movies. The reason why was there was a pretty heavy NPD, or uh, sorry, NDA, non-disclosure agreement, uh, for what I watched down to, like, I don't know if I could say the name of the, the movie, but I did say it on Twitter, and I know that there's no way Sony's going to, like, scour these, and I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything, but I did get to see the movie Pixels, which is coming out this summer uh, with Adam Sandler, where aliens invade us in the form of arcade games. Um, so I'd love to talk about it, but I am going to respect the NDA. Uh, I can't even talk about whether or not I liked it. So there you go. <laughs> but they did say that, uh, just before opening weekend, which is July 24th in, uh, in this, uh, country, uh, I can talk about it. So, um, it's going to be like next year in this country. <laughs> I, I did get to see it very early. I didn't realize how early till I was watching it. So there you go. But, uh, nice Fortingard. Um, but, uh, anyway, all right, well, uh, I think you came here for the 64DD, uh, mm -hmm. and we've got a lot to talk There's about. There's a lot to talk about here. So I mm. think we should just jump right into it. Now, before we go here, Jam, it's one of those rare things where you go looking into it, mm. and unlike a lot of people, you, uh, you realize that, um, that there's a lot of documentation on the 64DD. Um, I think it's mostly because it came out after the internet. Yeah, yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Um, and uh, N64.com, which would later go on and become a part of IGN, uh, covered this pretty heavily. And Per mm. Schneider, who is actually still head of content development over there, um, oh, yeah. wrote the original stuff. He got in a 64DD, got the subscription, and got all the stuff. So mm. I don't know if he was getting it in Japan and they were mailing it over or what, but he covered all that stuff. Huh. Actually, I think Per was living in Japan at that time. So he's a German. Yeah, he's from your neck of the woods. <laughs> that being Europe, not your country, obviously. But uh, anyway, so so yeah, um, it, it was actually quite. I I really enjoyed uh, reading about the the console because it's, it's it's again it's one of those consoles because it wasn't really it's not widely it wasn't widely available and you couldn't really, you couldn't buy in the US could you? See, everyone imports no, it. It was always yeah. only available in Japan, and as we'll talk about, the mm. way it was distributed in Japan made yeah, it very difficult for people to get it. It also wasn't popular. Um, mm. There's some estimated 15,000 to... I'm kind of jumping ahead, but some estimated right. 15,000 to 20,000 units. There was three to 5,000 released to retail and approximately 15,000 units sold via the subscription plan, which is why it was difficult to get outside of the U.S. Or outside of Japan, sorry. <clears throat> it's also a very interesting console, and a lot of people like to liken it to a lot of Sega stuff. Mm. Uh, mostly because Nintendo and Sega were going head to head at this time, uh, but also because it's an add-on. Sega CD, 32X, Dreamcast to a certain extent had add-ons. I think they they tried to put things into you know it almost feels like triangular shaped pegs into square shaped holes. Um, yeah, it doesn't quite fit, and we'll talk about that too. I really do want to have a brief discussion with you once we're all done about differentiating this between Sega's 
consoles yeah, and add-ons and things like that. So I think they're very diverse, and I think it's worth mentioning. So, <laughs> and here come the booby <laughs> jokes. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, oh, I forgot. I forgot to uh, do the email. So the anonymous one, it was pretty funny. It was like two sentences. And let's oh, yeah. see here. WTF, man. Why do you pick such shitty games for your top 10? <laughs> Are you just trying to troll us? Okay. So we've been accused of this a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say this now, just so people know, I thought it was clear how we got to these top 10s. But just in case people don't, this is the last time I'm going to mention it. But no, we're not trying to troll you. Jam and I, I brought Sonic 2 to the table, <laughs> fuckers. We did. Yeah. <laughs> bring it to the table and jam brought sonic spinball because i i, I think he purposefully wanted me to eliminate it and <laughs> make him look like the good guy i don't know but uh and and it got eliminated and we talk about in there why and how it got eliminated the other thing i should point out and i noticed this more on the 64 discussion than not than the genesis mega drive one is um we each bring 20 games to the table and out of those 20 games before we start any debates we each lock in 10% or two of those games that have to be on the list like it or not. So can't remember what mine were. I think mortal Kombat and something else and jam. I can't remember what yours were. Well, the but ones you eliminated. No, the, no, ones no the ones you locked in on the mega drive. Uh, my locked in was Castlevania and um, okay. Street rage. There you go. So see jam locked in one and two right off the bat. I think I picked mortal Kombat and, uh, and like Musha or something, something that had no danger of probably getting eliminated, but what the fuck. Um, so that's how we do it. I want you to keep that in mind as we go into the N64. Jam, also while we're talking today, because there's going to be some overlap, keep mm -hmm. in mind that we have not released the N64 discussion. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so um, anyway. We'll be, we'll be hasted all over again. No one. altered beast and you had Wily Wars on it. Well, there you go. You're always going to disagree with us. I'm totally fine Absolutely. with you disagreeing with us. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm loving the chat. You guys have to come join the chat. Uh, and uh, <laughs> well, Crazy Craft, we were working with what we had. <laughs> um, I know, but, that's uh, great. But yeah, um, so... So yeah, so so I should just bring that up. Uh, we won't discuss it anymore, uh, and I do no, encourage no, no. everybody. Stuff if it's... I'm getting you pumped up to get your N64 top ten on, that's good. I want to hear yeah. it because we were we will uh, we will release that just after our game club next week, Rocket Night, in early May, and then it will be on you guys to give us the community ones, and then we're going to give away some sort of 64 game. I just haven't figured out what yet, so we'll figure that out once somebody wins spoilers i'm taking from a fund to buy these games so <clears throat> we can kind of be loosey-goosey with uh how we uh get our hands on them once you win so anyway <clears throat> all right here we go double d's so nintendo 64 is dd so <laughs> if you're not aware of what that means it stands for 64 megabyte dynamic drive Megabyte, not megabit. I will make those differentiations because I do know that the tech junkies know it's important and it is very different. So we will talk about it, especially here because Nintendo liked to play the bit byte game when they would like to make things look big and small. Um, but anyway, in 1996, Nintendo was promising that this would solve all the problems third parties had with the cartridge based N64. It was a hardware 
compression that allowed more space. But oddly enough, when it was announced in 1995, it wouldn't release in Japan until 1999. It wasn't even as large as zip drives. Now, Jam, do you know what a zip drive is? This is going to be one of those things I'm going to get wrong, isn't it? But isn't it a compressed file? Oh, zip is a compressed file, and zip drive is oh, zip much... Dri I'll zip drive. Oh, no. no, you're fine. It's much the same concept. Did you guys use zip drives in Europe much? These were literal disk drives that had big old thick, fat, floppy-ass discs. Oh, yeah. Discs. No, we had these. Yeah. <laughs> and there were the zips were 100 megabytes, megabytes, mm -hmm. and uh, I believe the jazz came as iteration two with the uh, 250, and I think there was a zip plus that was like 150. I think like, the BBC Micro had a one of these drives. Oh, yeah? Hmm. That old oh. micro computer. <laughs> oh, I, I know the BBC Micro now. So I need um, to write down some of these DD things people are putting in the chat. <laughs> 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 um, drunk decision. Uh, if you're buying it, yeah, we'll talk about pricing soon. We are going to be very comprehensive with this. So, And, Jam, anytime you want to chime in here, just let me know. Um, well, the first I, I thing I want to chime in with, Fred, is that I I read I read different in sort different sources. Uh, obviously, it's the thing when you read about this topic is one of them said it was the it was disk drive for the N sixty four DD. Oh, okay. But obviously, that's not true because obviously, majority said dynamic drive. Uh, that was at the Nintendo press conference. Ah, right, you'll also yeah. be surprised to know that clips of this very poorly recorded can be found online. I also need to give credit where credit's due. Jesus Christ, I forgot to. I, I'm, I'm all over the place today. It's because I quit drinking again. Uh, not like permanently. <laughs> so you're worse for, when you quit. Just for the month. Yeah, I just quit drinking for the month. And I don't drink while I do the show normally, but um, I do tend to imbibe more caffeine. And so I'm jazzed to fuck right now because I'm on like. Sweet. An espresso on the way home plus a Diet Coke now. So <laughs> just bear with me, guys. You got the shakes. <laughs> uh, so. Um, but, uh, yes, I have to give a huge thanks and, and jam, you can give yours too. If you want to, for your references, I have to give huge thanks to a couple of people. One is Per Schneider over at IGN. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a fantastic guy and he did some amazing coverage that while some of it's out of date, cause our IGN just kind of archived it. The internet archive also had 64.com and 64.com, which allows you to read up on a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't know him personally. I know of him, but, uh, he was a great reference for a lot of this stuff. Um, Wikipedia is okay, but I found a lot of it was wrong. So be very yeah, yeah. careful with Wikipedia. Basing. Again, this is best proof there. Um, I want to thank him personally with both his email and some of his backup. But uh, I did get an email from Chris Kohler to give me some fun points. Oh, nice. Chris Kohler of Game Life, Wired, Retronauts, things like that. Um, I do have his email. And if I send him something brief enough, and he's not busy enough, so i got to hit him up at like 11 a.m., my time which is like 9 a.m his time on like a tuesday uh sometimes he responds and so he was kind enough to give me some pointers on the dd so that's where some of this stuff will come up i did not take notes as to who gave me this info though so if we can't find a source it's probably him um and then uh and then i've definitely got to give um a big shout out to victor who is mm -hmm. my buddy out in uh, chicago who he's younger than me <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's currently 25, which is fine, but he has some undying love for the N64, and Victor, man, good luck on your quest. He has a, he has a 64 DD. Oh, really? He has the Smoke wow. 64, and he has six of the ten released DD games. And we'll get to what the Smoke 64 is later. Uh, yes. 
he is he is lacking the big ones. Doshin the Giant mm. Two, he is lacking. Oh, that's yeah, that's which, crazy. Yeah, rare. that's the coveted one. The Mario Golf Tournament, mm. uh, he's lacking, and he is also lacking of all things one of the Mario Artist ones. But we'll get into those. Yeah. Um, but Doshin the Giant Two re, uh, sells online for about a thousand bucks starting. Oh yeah. So that's and it's a shit 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 <laughs> piece of software. So. It's amazing what people will spend on shit games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. But uh, anyway. Um, there you go, that one's talk. <laughs> actually hacked. Yes, I do need to try some of those. I'm getting into energy drinks now that I'm not drinking alcohol. So right, don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to go teetotaling at a barcade this, uh, in a couple of days, and that's going to be terrible. <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, just, just um, go, just have a healthy drink. <laughs> just like, go I to might green actually, tea. Jim, they, had, they, have a bu- they had 57 beers on tap. I may oh, just yeah. do a, a like a microbrew, and then they do tokens, but everything is like old arcade prices, so everything's like a quarter and stuff. And they have the local barcade that I'm hopefully going to Thursday night has the Super Mario Brothers arcade cabinet, so I can not only prove it exists but show some footage. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen one of those uh, like in the wild since I was a kid. So anyway. <clears throat> So it's important to note how specialized the DD was at launch. Uh, it's going to be weird calling it the DD, but that's what it's called, guys. Yes. <laughs> the 64DD. Uh, but what it was is probably partially why it wasn't very popular and why it shouldn't be compared to Sega. <clears throat> so, Jam, just to delve into this a little bit, this console doesn't really have games per se. Most people would refer to what is released on the DD as software. Software, yeah. Because it really much is. In fact, the creative people out there, the people who make fucking calculators and Little Big Planet, they're the people you want to give a fucking DD to. They're why I don't buy a DD, because it'd just be waste. Like, I won't do anything with it. Um, furthermore, the secondary thing it was for was for internet use, which is archaic today. We'll talk about it, but it's got a 28.8 modem that used dial-up on an antiquated and now no longer existing online service. Not much use to the rest of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So that hurts it a little bit. And much more so than the, the Satellaview. You know what I mean? Because the Satellaview was still games that just happened to have some sort of interactive iteration and now ROM hacking can allow for it. But um, you're not going to be able to do anything with RadNet these days. So... <laughs> Um, I don't know, but I mean, would you agree with me that I mean, if you buy a DD, you're not really going to be doing a whole lot of game playing. Definitely not game playing. I mean, it's it's a bit like um, you know some of the obscure tiles you get for the snares, like Mario Paint, where you're kind of just getting it either because you're a collector or because you kind of want to mess around with some of the software pieces. That's it. Yep. And Phil Kohler told me that. Um, sorry, Phil Kohler. Not Polygon's Phil Kohler. Wired's Chris Kohler told me that uh, it's been his experience that almost every person he's met, and he does admit, though, that he's in the game collector world and he's over right there in the heart of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, But it's been his experience at most trade shows and stuff that the people buying up DD stuff are predominantly um, uh, collectors. Yeah. So... I think he paid $300 for his copy of Doshin the Giant 2, and he was, <sighs> yeah. I guess that's a good he deal, though. In Japan. Yeah, he bought yeah. that in Japan. I think he bought it for, um, uh, I want to say he bought it for, thir- like, 30,000 yen mm. a couple years back. I think he talks about it on a retro nods now that I think about it. I think that's how I know that about him. But in his notes, he said, please note, most people buying the DD, especially if you're going to talk about it on your show, are probably collectors and not players. Uh, oh, yeah, I- yeah. 
I don't know about you, Jam, if you go on eBay and various auction sites, the one real big game in this, which is not, unfortunately, Doshin the Giant, which I'm sure <laughs> we'll talk ad nauseum about because it is an interesting game, mm. uh, is actually um, uh, F-Zero. F-Zero expansion, yeah. Yeah, and, and that opens that game up a lot, which is why you typically see the DD sold with F-Zero for about 300 bucks in America. Hmm. At the cheapest. That's where you'll see it most of the time. Uh, another combo I, I see a lot is the Smoke Gray with the DD and F-Zero and possibly the Mario uh, artist stuff. Yeah. All together for between six and 800 um, But mm-hmm. that gives you guys an idea of what you'll spend, and I've got some more numbers later. But anyway, that's the big deal with this is it's really doesn't have any games. It had a lot of games planned, and that's why I, I'll and be That's honest. the weird thing, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jam, just in case you're wondering, we have a lot of notes to get through, but I think we'll go pretty quick. Yeah. I'm planning within the next half an hour or so to get into games because the mm. games part, not necessarily what came out, but what was planned and what happened, yeah. those are interesting stories too, um, especially because you'll be surprised to know that almost ever uh, not you, Jam, because you've done research, <laughs> but almost everything on the DD came out in some way shape or form (laughs) yeah but it wasn't necessarily on nintendo's consoles and it's kind of crazy how long some of them went before they released so anyway uh so the 64 dd released in december 1999 and was discontinued in february 2001 a total of 14 months and interestingly enough only a month before the death of sega's newest console the dreamcast Mm. in fact if you look at the release date 9999 for the dreamcast the two had almost the exact same shelf life despite the fact that dd had nowhere near the same library it's just crazy how many, um, how many games were released for the Dreamcast in such a small period of time. Well, I bring this up more to back the Dreamcast and say yeah. Sega really gave up on that fast. And the, my only theory is they really must have run out of money. And maybe that's mm-hmm. been covered in the past. But I have never heard directly. And I've got that uh, that new Sega thing, which is more about the Genesis. But it talks about kind of the rise and fall of Sega. It's been out a lot. It's at all the trade shows right now. Um, not Console Wars, the other one. Uh, that talks about it. I'm curious to find out why Sega was so quick to drop the Dreamcast. You know what I mean? Um, I do know that there was a lot of software deals that were involved in Microsoft. And so Sega was wary of the Dreamcast, and then Microsoft swept in and said, hey, how about we not only publish... We're bringing out new hardware. How about we publish all your shit, and it'll be based off of Windows CE anyway, so you guys have a head start. And that's why... I mean, you wouldn't be wrong to say that Xbox, the original Xbox, is very much Dreamcast 2. Mm. Very much. People always want Dreamcast 2. Guys, half the fucking software that was supposed to come out (laughs) is on Xbox, just so you know. In fact, That's pretty good as well. Yeah, Jam, I was going to tell you, one of your favorites, Jade Empire, I heard that got early development. It was in prototyping for the Dreamcast. Mm. So Yeah. um, But anyway, only 10 pieces of software were released for the system. We've kind of talked about that. Um, and uh, uh, most of it was based off a of subscription. So let's talk about the launch, the pre-release and release of the console. And this will give you an idea of already how rough it was because a lot of people say, well, the Nintendo 64 came out in 1996. By 1999, you've already got the Dreamcast out. The DD's biggest problem, and they'd be right to say this, was that it came out too late. Mm. 
and it proves something. Stop me if you've heard this before, Jam. Nintendo's a little too slow at releasing some stuff. It kind of oh, fucked yeah. them with the PlayStation. <laughs> it will continue to fuck them with the Satella View, and now it fucks them with the DD. <laughs> so anyway, um, so the console was originally announced at the 1995 Nintendo Space World, known as Soshinkai, uh, in uh, Japan. As the bulky drive. God, I wish they'd have called it that's that. A love, that's a great name. The, <laughs> the BD. <Nintendo laughs> bulky drive, yeah. Uh, then we would have all these bondage and discipline jokes, these 50 shades of Nintendo. Anyway. Um, oh, just wait. We'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> this was prior to Nintendo 64's release anywhere, though. Keep in mind. So, the bulky drive was announced before the Ultra 64 at the time, later than Nintendo 64, even came out. Mm. Um, and it was eventually shown off a year later in November of 1996. Uh, Howard Lincoln, chairman of Nintendo of America, announced that the prototype hardware was a lock and made a drastic series of promises that would ultimately prove to be false or too little too late. We will move into those promises in a minute. Like so many other consoles before and since, the strength of the DD was potential, which sadly never really came to fruition. Now, that was my own thoughts on it. Uh, Voss, we will definitely cover that and many more. Um, uh, is that your thoughts as well? I mean, the DD had true potential, especially when you look at what oh, yeah. software was coming. And I, th- um, I think it's it's one of those consoles again that you know Nintendo did have a good idea. It's just you know I think a lot of it. I, I guess we're going to cover this a bit later, but um, Nintendo was very cautious about CDs. Nintendo didn't seem convinced that CD-ROMs were the way forward in terms of sort of data storage. Oh uh, yeah. And, and um, the DD seems to be their way around that in a way. So, you know, how to tackle CDs, but it obviously kind of really backfired on them. Well, and do you see how it works better in 95 mm. when the PlayStation's not even been out for a year yet? Oh, yeah. In Japan. Yeah, absolutely. Mind you, this is very Japanese-centric because this is a Japanese console. So I do apologize if I jump around on you guys, but most of my comparisons will be based off of Japan. Um yeah, I mean, there's that. Also, this does mirror the Famicom Disk System a lot because mm. what we'll come to discover when we talk about software is what Nintendo ended up doing was porting a lot of DD games over to the N64, and they found a way to make the cartridges play the games. The same thing happened with the Famicom Disk System. In fact, the Famicom Disk System and the DD were very similar in terms of how Nintendo handled them, even though they were very dissimilar in terms of what they were. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so uh, at the show, uh, Perrin Kaplan, the director of corporate communications, announced a late 1997 launch date for Japan. Imagine if that had come to fruition. Uh, <laughs> and in April 97, Nintendo of America was so uh, on board with this, so sure of it, that uh, they actually held a developer conference for the console in Seattle, Washington, which is where NOA's headquarters is. So they seemed pretty confident that they were going to get American developers. And just so people know, they were going to get American developers. Um, We'll talk about it in a second. But uh, American developers backed out, obviously, once they found out it was only going to come out in Japan. Um, On May 30th, 1997, just before E3, Nintendo announced the first of a few delays to the console. At the time, the rumor was disk media slash disk drive development was to blame. It was pushed to a March 1998 Japanese release with no questions being answered or discussed on a U.S. release. 
oh, and the Europe wasn't and Europe wasn't ever in the discussions. There you go. Of course. <laughs> um, later in June, it was announced that the console would tentatively be called the 64DD and not the bulky drive. Boo hoo. I know. That same year, at the pre-E3 press conference, which was June 18th, 1997, a prototype was not on display, and there was some more mixed messaging. Howard Lincoln claimed the console wouldn't launch until it had a sufficient software lineup to support the release. However, Nintendo then goes off to announce March 1998 as the launch in Japan, and a potential U.S. launch window of early 1998, which is weird. So... Mm. um, I think it was the GameCube was the first console where America got it first. Maybe it was the Wii. It's from Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, from Nintendo. Uh, but I think the Wii came out in Japan first. Okay. But N64 was pretty day and date. Mm. So um, anyway, uh, Miyamoto was also on hand as part of a nearly 20 title launch announcement, including uh, at the time it was called Ultra Donkey Kong, but it would later become Donkey Kong 64. Also mentioning that in current development were titles SimCity 64, not to be mistaken for SimCity 2000. We'll talk about that. A little game called Pocket Monster or Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Mother 3, otherwise known as Earthbound 2, potentially. I don't know how you want to convert it. And Mario Artist was on hand. Um, Mario Artist was planned from the start to be a DD property. <clears throat> Further into 1997 interviews, including one with Miyamoto and Shigaseto Itoi, uh, he's high up in Nintendo as well, explaining how hard it is to show consumers the value of the DD, especially given the fact that it's not part of the core N64 launch hardware, where they felt that would be a better way to show it off. And Jam, on a side note, does that not give you the impressions that maybe from the development side, these guys really were planning for it to come out pretty quick after the the, the console itself? Mm. You know what I mean? Ah, it, thanks for joining it, us, Sparky. Anyway. It almost sounds like um, they, you know, well, even when you know, anyone has gotten an N64, you do have that little, even, even my pal one does have the little bit at the bottom of it where it's supposed to connect to a DD. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and they always had that plan when we mm. talk about the aesthetics of it, but it almost feels like potentially a lot of these games like Donkey Kong 64 and things like that um, <clears throat> were uh, planned from the get, and they knew they were going to use the DD uh, to mm. solve a lot of solutions, and I'll talk about that in a second, um, but, uh, but it just took too damn long to come out. Yeah. Itoy also expanded on this by saying that DD was responsible for so many ideas of games and development that the end user may not be aware of because they could basically begin development with the N64, which I'm, I think prototyping hardware for that was like 94, so it was ready much earlier. Mm. And then they could finish development on the DD. And Jam, as we'll talk about later, what ends up happening is since the DD is no longer around, they figure out how to do it in a cart. So again, when we start talking about what DD games were in development, imagine that a lot of these games weren't even conceivably possible when Nintendo thought about making them. So while the DD has very little use for us now as a console, it did, like, them working on this. So it's one of those things where the R&D involved in the DD potentially saved some of the heaviest hitters on that console. So oh, yeah. Uh, who knows if Nintendo would have knocked knocked it out of the park so well on the N64. Uh, 
with the cartridge games that released had it not been for the DD. And no one will ever know that, you know. Mm. But anyway, um, what would end up happening... Oh, sorry. Actually, I talk about the NES. But what would end up happening is that uh, the interview concluded, of course. Mind you, this is a late 97 interview. With the regretful delay of June 98 for Japan and a year delay on the U.S. version, which at the time was planned for an April 1998 release, which pushes this now to April 99. This is not good. (laughs) So this is like three years after the launch of the N64? Yep. And it should also be noted that at the time of this announcement, Sega said that they would be announcing their next new console at E3. Yeah. So... Sega's bowing out. The PlayStation in 1997 was stronger than ever in mm-hmm. all regions, I think. At this point, Sega's trying Sega and Nintendo are scrambling to figure out how they can dethrone Sony. And I guess the DD was supposed to be the answer. <laughs> but anyway, so we finish up with shockingly almost nothing's announced or heavily discussed in terms of developments until the Nintendo 64 Space World, which is Nintendo Space World yet again of 1999 which is in August 99. So we're already getting delays more than a year later. So the DD was supposed to be out a year at this point. It's not even out yet. No, no. And all that's announced was that Radnet, the uh, online service that the DD would support, would go live on December 1st, 1999. Although at that time, they said they had nothing to, to announce for the 64 DD launch, which is really weird because... Uh, um, it, it had been, an, uh, sorry, by this point it had been announced, unsure of when or where, that the 64DD would not come to North America, which prompted uh, most Western development to bow out. Um, several GameSpot and IGN slash N64.com articles suggest that well into 1998, the DD was still planned for North America, so it must have been canceled at the last minute. Uh, no news on the exact announcement, and it's tough to tell when it was, but sometime between September and November 1999, the bundles were announced for the December 1999 launch of the DD when it finally did come out. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <clears throat> Anything you want to mention before we get into the hardware and what it is? Not this stage, no, no, because we're going to get to sort of, I think we should just jump straight into the hardware now. Yeah, and I'm trying to hurry forward to the games because I think that's mm-hmm. what we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, the 64DD was the undercarriage add-on for the N64. As Jim previously mentioned, there's an expansion slot under your N64. The DD fit perfectly into that. And then there were like, if you look under your N64, there's like two pads and then there's two without pads or they have holes (laughs) like nubs. And you basically would lock the DD in through that. And then on the underside of it, you would screw it in. So so you would basically hold the DD stacked with the Nintendo 64 on top of it and then bring a screw in from underneath. And you'd probably set it, you know, with the system upside down because... We're going to talk about this in a sec, but it's very sturdy. There's no moving mm. parts. You don't have to worry about the DD. It's as sturdy it's as the fit. N64. Yeah. You can drop an N64. I wouldn't recommend this, but you can drop an N64 down a set of stairs. I For have. the most part, while the plastic <laughs> will get dinged up, you should be okay. Um, but you would basically set the screws, and then you turn it back around and then tighten it. Mm. Um, Nintendo is well known for doing like well-built consoles that... which would survive stuff like this they didn't need a laser lens or anything to spin right (laughs) um but uh anyway um the disc drive is in the front uh and and again i should point out it's very rugged and plastic just like 
the uh, Nintendo 64. Somebody mentioned it was drool-proof. Uh, right. How many small <laughs> infants were playing with it? My daughter never seemed to show interest in my N64, which was on the floor for many points of her upbringing. But uh, anyway, um, the disk drive. <laughs> <laughs> the disk drive, but this is like extra care because the disk drive you would load in the front. And I'll see if I can't get some pictures going. There will be clearly a picture of the DD on this, on the on the post on Gaming History 101 and on the CD image. You know, like whatever art shows up when you play the MP th- the MP3. But um, maybe I can get more of a gallery. But the the disc loaded it kind of just in the front. It just kind of like a disc drive. You just kind of mm. pushed it in there, and it had like a front plastic like cover that wouldn't push back until it detected roughly this the the shape of the disc which actually was pretty common for zip and jazz and various other things so they kind of copied that um there was only one button on the front of it and it was a gray button that said eject and guess what it did (laughs) popped it right out (laughs) Um, the dd required the expansion pack the four megabyte Mm -hmm. uh, ram expansion uh to be installed in your n64 and it came with the unit so when you got a 64 dd it came with it so um Mind you, at the time of development of the 64DD, not when it came out, but at the time of development, the RAM pack was never supposed to be available for the N64 proper. Mm. Uh, you had to swap out the expansion pack or the jumper. Do most <laughs> of us know that the placeholder is called the jumper? Don't buy a jumper pack. Your N64 probably already has it. However, something always needs to be in that slot when you power up an N64. So if you don't have the expansion pack, you need a jumper pack. Um... The N64 would handle all of your data processing. So the N64 was still doing the hard labor. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It featured multiple disk support. You could swap disks without turning the unit off, although there were very few games that handled that. Um, it had multiple peripherals, which we'll talk about. It had a 36 megabit or 4.5 megabyte front end. Imagine an OS and four megs. Uh, that would load if no cart was in the N64. Uh, it would load in if there was no uh, cart in the N64 slot. Jam, have you seen the loading screen where Mario's kind of dancing around with the 64DD logo? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm thinking of the loading screen from the Mario Paint one where it's like a, like a guy kind of dancing on top of a disc. Oh, yeah, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So It's only like three seconds long, though, isn't it? It's really short. Very brief. Yes, very brief. Um, in fact, the GameCube boot is much longer. Um but uh, and uh, if there were carts in the N64 slot, uh, there were carts for the N64 slot, which could add, add more options, such as there was a uh, there was a 22.8 kbps dial-up modem that was available in the form of a cart that you would put into the cart slot, <laughs> um, and it would use phone lines to connect to Radnet. Also, it had a transfer rate of one Mbps or megabyte per second. So I'm um, guessing that's small. <laughs> um, no, actually, really? uh, CDs at one time, which is what the PlayStation and the Saturn read at, was I want to say 600 kbps. Okay. Uh, and it would stre- the Saturn and PlayStation and discs as a whole would predominantly stream. Whereas this did kind of like boost loading because the file sizes were small, it could load everything up at once. So, um, so we'll, we'll talk about loading times and mm. stuff like that in a sec. But yeah, no, no, that was pretty fast. To to put it in comparison, though, the cartridges loaded at five Mbps, which is why you can load any N64 cartridge immediately. Mm. Um, 
The discs themselves were highly dense, were high density, double sided, 64.45 megabyte with read write capabilities. For Note N64 cards, retailed for around $49.99 with either 96 megabits, which is 12 megabytes, or 256 megabits, which is 32 megabytes. And eventually, with games like Resident Evil 2, there were. Uh, the more expensive seventy to ninety dollar cartridges, which had the five hundred and twelve megabit or sixty four megabyte file size. So there you go. Uh, while cartridges loaded at five Mbps, approximately five times faster, load times on the DD were almost nothing, especially compared to the nineteen ninety nine CD consoles. Games loaded instantly. Custom items on F zero, such as the tracks and stuff, loaded within about three to five seconds. You wouldn't be waiting uh, much longer than the guy dancing on the disc. <laughs> um, peripherals came in many forms There were data carts We'll talk about some of the more interesting ones With some of the software There was the modem cart of course There was a capture cart uh, and then Yeah there I read was, about that Yeah <laughs> then there was mouse and keyboard of course So things like that So um, Also the uh, discs themselves Were supposed to cost basically $25 But they weren't available on retail We'll talk about mm. pricing right now Anything you want to mention with the hardware Before we jump into pricing Didn't it come with the um, the mouse hardware it did and it didn't i'll oh, explain in a sec it's yeah, the, okay. it, well it's because there's a subscription so mm. um so here's how it worked you would subscribe for a 12-month contract at one of two different price points and they don't talk about whether or not you return the hardware i don't think you did i think it was a mm. way to like have you pay monthly installments instead of taking the hit up front you know what i mean but if you were supposed to give it back, they clearly didn't take them back because they discontinued the product. But uh, the first uh, subscription model was 2,500 yen per month, or 24.35 in 1999, $24.35. So what was that jam, like one pound? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we haven't done that uh, very for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this would get you the 64DD, an expansion pack, like the RAM pack, the modem cart, access to the radnet online service you just dial into it one game every two months for the year games were released um bi-monthly kind of first game you would get is doshin the giant one then you would get the f0x expansion pack then sim city 64 then mario artist talent studio plus the capture cart then paint studio plus the mouse and finally polygon studio so there you go that's how they came out Alternatively, there was a 3,300 yen per month version, uh, $32.35 in 1999, so one pound 50. Um, <laughs> and that would net you a special edition Smoke N64 mm-hmm. along with the package above. It should be noted that the Smoke N64 was only available in Japan and only available through this promotion. So it's worth a decent chunk of change. We'll talk about that right now. Anyway, Nintendo also released the consoles and games in stores in disc format, uh, but I don't know the cost. Uh, they were probably somewhat cheap due to the liquidation nature of the release, but I could not find anything that talked about store pricing, Japan or otherwise. Um, well, they only sold it in the stores after they had done the, the mail order, didn't they? Just yes. to get rid of the this inventory. This was when they knew they were going to get rid of it. So I want to say summer 2000. Mm-hmm. Maybe fall 2000 was when they released all this stuff. Um, and it was probably much like the TurboGrafx in America. Maybe the they the Smoke console, they probably, if you want my opinion, probably didn't sell off. I think the Smoke was just a casing for N64, so it was part of the mm. production line. You know what I mean? 
Um, so I bet that didn't come out in retail, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but the DD would probably sell for like 50 bucks, you know, with the initial <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. Like 5,000 yen. And then you would pay probably, if I'm guessing, 1,500 to 2,000 yen per game. Mm. That's probably how it was selling. Uh, in the U.S., consoles can be found for about $600 on eBay, starting for the console only, typically with one game. Going up to as much as $1,000 plus for a complete set of the 8 out of 10 games. The two games that will not be there is Doshin the Giant 2 and I believe the Mario Golf Tournament. I think those are the two wow. super rares. <laughs> I could be wrong about the Mario Golf Tournament. It might be SimCity 64, but I don't think so because Mario Golf Tournament was sold in stores and not through hmm. the subscription, whereas SimCity was subscription. So there you go. Who knows, though? Hmm. Um, some of the more rare games like Doshin go for uh, more than $1,000. If you have $1,100 on you, you can go on eBay right now in America. What up, Yogi? And uh, get yourself <laughs> a uh, Doshin the Giant 2 right now. Lucky dog. Just don't forget to buy the console as well. <laughs> no, no. Actually, there is absolutely no reason you're buying Doshin, the Doshin 2. Uh, I mean, you'll want the console, but it won't be to play it you're buying doshin 2 for 1100 bucks you're not planning to play it it's the sole purchase it's for the person that has everything for the collection. uh yeah uh, chris kohler only recently picked it up so that'll tell you something <laughs> uh, interestingly enough the smoke n64s are readily available in america they fetch about oh, really? 400 bucks huh. yeah each game will usually sell for between 40 and 100 boxed consoles are always above 1200 in the u.s naturally peripherals and software suites will cost you uh, more to get they won't come with their stuff so very few people are selling talent studio with the capture cart for the same price as the capture cart alone paint studio with the mouse won't they'll usually bundle them but a lot of times you'll just see a paint studio on its own for contrast in japan it's a little cheaper it's about three thousand yen for the console mm. uh games are about 2500 to five thousand yen uh sorry 350 for in today's prices it's about 350 for um the console it's about 30 to 60 dollars for the games um bundles go for about forty-five thousand yen about 500 bucks and a handful of box games go much higher and it usually it usually sells for about 80 to ninety thousand yen about a thousand bucks for um a boxed collection of everything so <laughs> yeah yeah and remember, that is a discount because you're buying everything. And who knows? As these things have gotten more rare, maybe Doshin 2 is more rare. Maybe to get everything, you're going to have to pay more than that. You, you may have to pay the upwards of over 100,000 yen uh, in Japan for the collection. But you're going to see more collections of the console with all the 10 games and the smoke system, which is what the complete package would be. And then you're going to have to go hunt down the peripherals probably. If somebody had everything, you're paying 1500 to two grand, guys, no matter where you're at. <laughs> So, might as well visit Japan while you're doing, if you're going to spend that much money. <laughs> yeah. Go to the source. <laughs> yeah. And even Chris Kohler wasn't too keen on doing it, you know? <laughs> so, anyway, um, RadNet online functionality. So, when Nintendo ceased its deal with St. Giga for the Satellaview um, in April of 99, it immediately relaunched RadNet in December of 99 with the Japanese media conglomerate Recruit. Believe it or not, Rand, RadNet's supposed to stand for Recruit and Nintendo Network. <laughs> Although I can't see how you get that from RadNet, but hey. 
Uh, it had many promises. It was only live until February 2001, but it had a partnership that was key to the sale, subscription, and distribution of the 15,000-plus N64DD consoles that had subscriptions. It made promises it couldn't keep. You ready for those? So here's why a lot of people say the DD failed. It was because it had lots of promises, and it either wasn't able to live up to those, or, and this is another factor, the, uh, the N64 was able to do it. So, uh-huh. so the first one is the DD was supposed to solve the storage problem that Nintendo had going for carts and allegedly lost them with Final Fantasy VII. With 64 megabyte per disc, though, the DVD would make N64 a, vi- a viable platform for CD-based games. In the truth, this is a total misnomer. Compared to the 650 megabytes <laughs> of a CD, it would take 10 DD discs to come close, not to mention that the only games that came close to doing this were cart-based games like Resident Evil 2, i.e. DD, excuse me, DD games weren't even doing that. They're actually quite mm-hmm. small. The other thing, Jam, is how many discs was Final Fantasy VII? Three. Three? <laughs> yeah. Total file size of 1.3 gigs. Mm-hmm. Imagine playing that in 64 megabyte chunks. So, well, we, we calculate those discs up. There's going to be tons of discs, basically, so... Now, their argument was that uh, instead of streaming media like FMV mm-hmm. or like cutscenes, that it would be all in engine rendering, which would drastically reduce the file size. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe it is. That's possible. Um, but uh, nobody was doing that at the time. Uh, most DD games could easily fit onto a standard N64 cartridge, which was uh, 256 megabits slash 32 megabytes or less. In fact, I've heard that most of them could fit on the 90-whatever megabit cartridge. So, mm. anyway, they could be on carts, basically. Uh, Nintendo was at the time claiming eight times the size of Mario 64. <laughs> and perhaps their math is because Mario 64 is a six-megabyte game. Mm-hmm. And it, fander, it, it fit on the standard uh, 64 megabit, uh, I think it was actually 96 megabit, 12 megabyte cart. So I guess if you do the math, yeah. In fact, uh, Mario 64, which is between 6 and 8 megabytes, is in fact an eighth of the total space of a DD disc. Great. <laughs> but uh, anyway... Uh, persistent worlds that they promised persistent worlds that could rewrite code affect the world based on factors like gameplay and change environments also there's a clock feature which they stole from the saturn uh that would change items based off of the time of day in truth it makes a great case against cd media but in all frankness because cd media you couldn't rewrite anything but in all frankness outside of doshin the giant the dd (coughs) didn't do this either uh, not only that, but the clock feature changing the uh, and changing the world feature and persistence were slight and most uh, and almost insignificant in the game due to uh, the world's relatively small size. Couple that with the PC mods being huge in the late '90s, there was little draw for the creative outlet to be in persistent worlds. Mm-hmm. Next up, they promised the RAM pack would come with uh, a system that could provide better graphics and gameplay. Truth, this is completely true. Uh, except that Nintendo really? stepped on its own toes when it decided to release the pack for the N64 as well, thanks to mm-hmm. pressure from LucasArts and Acclaim predominantly. Did you know that? 
I didn't know it was from pressure from them. Yeah, they wanted the cart, the the RAM, which is why all of, most of the acclaimed LucasArts games after 1997 are programmed to enhance and go typically to 640 by 480 plus more shaders and higher resolution if you have the RAM pack. Uh, furthermore, the DD basically just needed to needed the RAM pack to function the I/O of the discs, the input output. And titles like Perfect Dark and Majora's Mask were the ones that actually took full use of the pack. To be clear, uh, Zelda Gaiden, which would become Majora's Mask, was originally a DD game, but still. And uh, Ultra Donkey Kong, or Donkey Kong 64, which was touted as the RAM pack game, was actually only used to solve a bug. Single uh, bug as well. We talked about yesterday, yeah. And uh, it it, it became card only, so there you Mm. go. Uh, it was also touted to expand games with the use of multiple discs and add-ons. Mm-hmm. Well, it's true. <laughs> except they only did it for one game, which was uh, um, F-Zero X. And it's been heavily discussed that there's enough room on the 32 megabyte cartridge or 256 megabit cartridge that F-Zero X is on to support putting those features into the cart complete with saving and track submission. So they were probably... So that functionality was probably broken off of the game or planned upon after the game released and could have easily been part of the cartridge next they said inexpensive i guess for what you get that's true but for a new console and a handful of add-on slash creative software at between 310 and 400 dollars for the total annual membership of the dd it was far from cheap especially when you compare it to the i think it was 199 or two or twenty thousand yen price tag of the uh Nintendo 64 is almost twice the price. Furthermore, the discs were supposed to be around 2,500 yen, nearly half the price of an N64 cart. This was hopefully to entice third-party developers to move over. But guess what? Wah, wah, CDs are still cheaper. So yeah. third parties lean to CDs. Yeah, I was going to say, the cartridges, were even even the N64 cartridges were more expensive than CD-based. Well, yeah, so even the discs, if they were half the price, it's still mm. cheaper to make a CD. So, yeah. Um, uh, they also claimed improved audio. Well, this is true because the N64 has shitty audio. It's actually one of its processing units. You're literally taking away its ability to function a game in order to give it audio. So a lot of people got lazy so that they can make the games look better. Um, but it doesn't overtake the quality of CD-based games. <laughs> you know, the disc-based <laughs> games were fucking amazing uh, comparatively in terms of audio. Online capabilities that included online play, spectating of games, beta testing of upcoming games, game-specific message boards and discussion, avatar creation tools, and music distribution digitally before retail. That was pretty huge promise. (laughs) Oh, and email and web surfing. Mm. In truth, if most of these features sound familiar, it's because the Wii U... (laughs) the first time they've ever implemented any of these except for beta testing and spectating which is only available on the playstation 4 at this time beta testing is available on the xbox one as well um more than a decade later i might add for the wii u uh finally what i was gonna say the the avatar creations that's basically the me stuff that was on the the wii Wii, yeah Yeah. so they slowly trickled it out which you see for most of this stuff um Oh my god, the puns are great. Um, and uh, sadly, the, <laughs> sadly, the DD only had email and archaic web browsing to offer most people. So, there you go. I've heard a rumor that F-Zero was able to go online with racing, but it was available for such a short period of time. A lot of people didn't have a chance. 
It offered an yeah. amazing lineup of games only available on the DD. Super Mario 64 2, which was the working title. Mm-hmm. Later renamed, I forget exactly what episode we were talking about this, maybe the releasing Vaporware episode, where it became Mario 128, and then it moved to GameCube, and blah, 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 blah. And I think it eventually became Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Um, Unreal, which was Unreal Tournament, which was almost immediately canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mother 3, which uh, moved to the Game Boy Advance with redone SNES-like graphics when the DD uh, ended before development on Mother 3 was done. Pokemon Stadium and Snap, which clearly moved over in the same regards. And finally, uh, Legend of Zelda, a new Legend of Zelda game. Most people presume that was... Um, o- Ocarina of Time um, mm. and then Derby Stallion which was uh, <laughs> horse racing is huge in Japan if yeah, you guys yeah. don't know this yes it is so that was a big deal I think it was going to use like online stats too to keep it going and stuff so it was going to be a true simulation of horse racing which would have been awesome but uh, yeah all those ended up coming out as carts Derby, uh, Derby Stallion uh Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and uh, Pokemon Stadium Snap would go on to become N64 carts. Mm-hmm. So you probably wonder why Nintendo even released the damn thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, by 99, it was in development for so long, and they were changing some stuff around. I really think uh, that they figured it's been in development for so long, we may as well bring it out. Plus, we don't know what the uh, the whole partnership for Radnet was involved in that already. They may have taken a bath already. And I think they really wanted to get their feet wet on what they can and can't do with online. Now, granted, they ultimately didn't do too much. But at least they were able to, I guess, gauge whether or not they were going to be able to. And the answer was no. But at least it allowed them to plan appropriately for it. And then, like we said, the DD behind the scenes was responsible for a lot. So Mm. anyway, due to our technical difficulties, we're running a little late on this, but let's get into the software and explain why. Okay, never mind. So software could be available in three formats. Cart that goes into the N64 slot, DD disc that was a game, or a DD disc that was an add-on which required the original game in the N64 cart slot. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, That also may not have been the case had Ocarina of Time come out. You're probably aware of Uru Zelda or the Master Quest. That mm-hmm. may have had you load the DD of Ocarina of Time, then pull it out, and then load Uru Zelda, which you were able to do with the hardware of the DD. So, anyway. Okay, so here's your software. First one is the Radnet cart. <laughs> Does exactly <laughs> what it says. Had a, ma- had a modem hooked up to it. Is that even software? <laughs> is that. Yes, it's software. <laughs> God damn it, the the Dreamcast uh, web browsing disc is too. <laughs> um, all right, next up was F-Zero's um, expansion kit. It came out in April 2000. Mm-hmm. It required the game F-Zero X to be in the card slot, and each card had programming hooks to detect the DD and the expansion slot if they were both present. This would change the game in the following ways. First of all, uh, Jam, have you played F-Zero X? Of course. Okay. Love that game. It's definitely one of those ones, though, that sacrifices um, sound design for Mm. gameplay. That fucker runs fast. Oh, Um, oh, yeah. 60 frames, actually. (laughs) It's like one of the only games that runs at 60 frames a second. So Um, stereophonic... uh, So what happened was they integrated stereophonic sound 
much better than the crappy N64 soundtrack. So that is one benefit. Mm-hmm. It added 12 new tracks, two new cups, basically. Uh, it added a track editor, a car editor, and storage for up to 100 tracks and three ghost players. In fact, expansion kits, tools were so robust, people, uh, and, it, and that is because it is identical to the uh, programmer's tools that they used to build the game. So, wow. this is cool. Mm. This demonstrates that you could do some cool shit with the DD. Mm. Did people actually share these tracks online as well? That I couldn't find data mm. on. I'm sure you could, but obviously you can't now. Of course, yeah. Um, I think there's DD emulation. I'm not sure, though. And uh, maybe you can do it through emulators. I haven't looked that up. Mm. Maybe I should, but anyway. Uh, next up, Japan Pro Tour Golf 94, May 2000. It is Pro Tour Golf on the <laughs> DD. Is this the rare one? Well, that's Mario. Are you talking about? Yes, I believe this is also the rare one. Um, wasn't there a Nintendo Pro Tour on the N64? Uh, there was a Mario Golf game on the N64. Yeah. It's weird that it's Pro Tour Golf 94. Mm. <laughs> Five years later, the game comes out. <laughs> uh, no, F-Zero-X and X, AX are not the same thing. Sorry, Warham's asking this, and it's important to note. F-Zero-X is the N64. F-Zero-AX, I believe, is the arcade game, which is now unlockable if you have the super expensive um, Pro Action Replay and F-Zero GX on the GameCube, because I have tried to get a pro-action replay, and it's not cheap. No, um, because of that. <laughs> yeah, well, especially because of that, but it wasn't cheap before, because it allowed you to, like, I think hack the system and play burn games or something. I don't know. I don't know where you're going to find the little fucking discs, and even if you do, what's what's it worth it? Fucking GameCube games are so cheap. <laughs> anyway, next up, uh, and this was the launch game, was uh, Kyojin no Doshin, or Doshin the Giant. Mm-hmm. Released in December 1999. Launch game for the DD plays as a god sim where you play Doshin, a giant that walks around an island and tries to help out villagers from four different tribes in return for emotional response and altering the world. Uh, I remember ta- seeing screenshots of this in magazines. I do too, but it's for a different version of the game, which we'll oh, really? talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, tasks are part of the game. Uh, as part of the game will alter various aspects of the game. Uh, it tries to capture this feeling that it's a persistent, ever-changing world. Mm. Um, it came from Param, the developer who gave us Aquanauts Holiday. So you can see how it's more of an observation and mild interaction game, but it's not really a game per se. Mm. I think it gets a little gamier when it gets updated um, because... Uh, well, we'll talk about this in a sec. Um, there's also the sequel disc, which we talked about. The sequel disc, which is <laughs> called Kyojin no Doshin Kaiho Sensen Chibiko Chiko Dashuogo. Only you would get that right. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if that's right, but katakana is easy enough to read. Anyway, it's Doshin the Giant Tinkling Toddler Liberation Front Assemble. Again, keep in mind, Japanese titles are not localized uh the sequel disc came out in may of 2000 uh that roughly throws together movies you can watch based on activities performed from the first disc so basically if you'd finish certain parts of tasks and stuff um 
And uh, it was reviewed horribly. Control's clunky. IGN claimed it felt like it was built in two weeks. And it is, of course, the rarest game on the console and worth over $1,000. <laughs> Which I love. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, and apparently, Jam, it got re-released in English for the GameCube in Europe with enhanced graphics. Huh. And it was also re-released in Japan. Now, I have heard it is stupid rare in Europe. Yeah, I, I've never seen a PAL version of this. I've seen a Japanese version. You have? On the GameCube? On the GameCube. We're funny, funny enough sold over here, but not the actual PAL version of it. Uh, that makes sense, actually. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. But I, I don't know, think I... Doshin is that expensive in the Japanese version. In fact, mm. it's 20 bucks for the Japanese version okay. of America. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can really briefly find a non-Japanese version. Sorry, guys. Give me one quick sec. Um, the 64DD game sells for about 60 But you got to <laughs> have a fucking 64DD. Uh, the soundtrack's 100 bucks. <laughs> um, the soundtrack's both more than the game. <laughs> yeah, sounds a little bit like it. Here we go. Oh, shit. The right. German Doshin the Giant? Oh, wow. Is 20 bucks for me. I may import that. The French Doshin the Giant is 20 bucks. The Spanish Doshin the Giant is 30 bucks, which I actually know Spanish. Oh, you have to pay the premium for that one, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like the American versions available anywhere and i bet it's super fucking expensive yeah that's probably why but uh, anyway all right with that in mind we will uh so yeah so you've never played doshin the giant anywhere I don't, i've never played doshin the giant although spiky trestles just chimed in the chat and he said he brought doshin the giant for the gamecube on release he wasn't yeah. right. he wasn't that thrilled with it well and, and sparky's right it's it's <laughs> it's kind of a non-game you know it's like the people who yeah. you know i sold my ps3 copy of aquanauts holiday which is the next iteration from that developer and while it looks gorgeous and it's in i think 1080p uh but it's not it's upscaled from 720p but uh, anyway it's uh it's about swimming around in the ocean and looking at shit taking pictures you know <laughs> i mean <laughs> anyway uh next up is a game and this one may be super expensive as well was uh, sim city 64 which mm. should not be mistaken for SimCity 2000 on the N64. This one was developed by HAL Laboratories. They're responsible for Kirby and my personal favorite, Lolo. Mm -hmm. uh, but they did many other things. Uh, they also did that really awesome, I think you guys have it, or maybe it's Japan only, the uh, Ghostbusters 2 on the NES. No, no, I think we have that. Yeah, I played, it on, uh, I played it on a flash cart. Uh, well, there's two different versions. There's the oh, Acclaim well, version or the, the LGN version, which is shitty. And then yeah. there's uh, there's the HAL version. So you got to make sure it's the HAL Laboratories version. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it allowed high-textured 3D models and features that weren't even found in SimCity 2000. Like following – and they mean the overall software, SimCity 2000, not just the N64 version. Like being able to follow pedestrians' behaviors, uh, views of the city at night – and Helicopter Views, which was actually going to be its own game, which was going to be called <laughs> SimCity Helicopter, on the DD. And it got Ooh. fused and merged into SimCity, probably once they figured out that they weren't going to be able to release many more games. 
and then it had these crazy hybrid 2D, 3D views of the city. If you look at screenshots, it's actually pretty impressive. Um, but, uh, and it was highly regarded in Famitsu, received all eights, and is seen hmm. as the definitive Nintendo SimCity game being even better than the SNES port. Wow. Yeah. That's really highly regarded. Yeah, apparently. Uh, it basically bridges the gap between 2000 and 3000, which is only notable because when 3000 comes out, uh, basically they took some of these functions because of this port and integrated it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, next up is the Mario Artist series. There's four. That loads of these. Yep. First one is Paint Studio, which was also a launch. It was the sequel to Mario Paint. I've heard it's referred to as Photoshop Lite. <laughs> uh, next up was Talent Studio. This one seems like the coolest one. It came to you as in February 2000 if you had a subscription, and it's often regarded as the best software on the DD. It allows right. you to utilize the capture cart, a cart with RCA inputs uh, or other sources. There are ways to do like scanners and stuff. Uh, to capture faces via camcorder, VHS, or photos, and not just faces, like bodies and stuff, and manipulate them in various ways. Even in Japanese, it's apparently super easy to use and has a lot of potential for real-time playing with objects never thought to be manipulated on media at the time. It sounds quite impressive for the year 2000. Apparently, Talent Studio led to a prototype called Stage Debut, which was like a karaoke thing. And mm -hmm. that would eventually be utilized by Nintendo behind the scenes by Nintendo R&D to create Wii Tennis. Hmm. Yeah. But, like, imagine That's that, Jim. Like, imagine if you could just take a camcorder that had RCA out, plug it into this cart. And I don't know if you've seen the cart, but it's literally a cart with RCA ports on it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then you could, like pause or like have someone stand in front of it and literally rip them into the game this is something we did yeah. with the vision camera and other stuff like that later on and the eye toy so Thanks. next up was the communication kit which came out <laughs> in june 2000 and added expanded content to paint studio while also allow radnet to use and share um, items you made in Mario in the Mario Artist Suite, including allowing you to print stuff. You could pay hmm. certain like Kinkos and stuff. You would upload it to Radnet, pick your location, prepay to print it, and then you could go pick up like a banner at at a fucking photo store. That is that is quite a lot of steps just to print something out. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, it's no different than you jumping on FedEx Kinko's right now and doing it, you know? I think that feels like a lot of work. <laughs> it is. Um, and last but not least, something I definitely want to see, which is Polygon Kit. It was yeah. uh, the final release kit in August 2000 and pretty much the final release for the DD before they start discontinuing everything. Um, and it allowed you to do basic polygon creation and manipulation. Some say hmm. it was originally to expand into mini-games, a la the never-released Game Maker kit. And hmm. who knows, man, between you and me, that may be what Mario Maker became. Uh, <laughs> or what yeah, became yeah. Mario Maker. Uh, they, Nintendo did say that Game Maker kit uh, directly led to WarioWare. So actually, WarioWare is probably yeah. the way that was going to work. It did offer 3D printing via the communication kit and papercraft. So you would literally print up origami papercraft. That would allow for 3D printing. So imagine that. Imagine printing your stand-up version of yourself. Uh, but anyway. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. There were also three more in the kit that got canceled, which was Graphical Message Maker, which basically is MMS or Picture Mail. Mm-hmm. Sound Maker, which was... The know. Mario Paint add-on bit, well, the Mario Paint bit, yeah, where you do the music. You got it, <laughs> yes. And uh, we had him on before, but Gary Butterfield, who uh, does Mario Paint soundtracks on DuckFeed.tv, um, would have loved to have this. He mm. said he probably would have bought a 64DD if there was a way to play it. Um, and Video Jockey, which Video Jockey Maker, which I'm guessing is, uh, you know, kind of being an MTV VJ, which would be awesome. So, anyway, all right. Anything you want to say about uh, that software before we jump into all the games that either got ported over or that were never released? I, I just think it's funny in that though those few years that it was out for that's all they came up with. The in terms one of software. year, yeah, one year, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but when you look at this software library, I mean, forty-nine canceled games when it was canceled. That's, so, that's a lot. Yeah. Now, mind you, they're considered canceled even if they moved over to N64. Or so, mm. but anyway. All right, let's get going with let's it. First on the list, Banjo Kazooie Two, otherwise known as well, it would later become Banjo Tooie on N64. And I said, <laughs> you know that swap trick that they were going to do with swap. the cards? Yeah. I bet this was supposed to be part of the add-on stuff. That would have made sense, really. Yeah. So it that would have been less risky as well. <laughs> in the game, though, you know what I mean? Like that's why it's in the code. Uh, Derby Stallion <laughs> became Derby <laughs> Stallion 64. That was my nickname in high school. No, um, uh-huh. <laughs> Ultra Donkey Kong was re-released as Donkey Kong 64. I kind of wish they stuck with the Ultra 64, the name that title instead. Ultra Donkey, Ultra Kong. Donkey Kong just sounds awesome. It does kind of sound awesome. Uh, but Ultra 64 sounds like an awesome name for yeah. Donkey Kong, or sorry, for N64. Uh, Pokemon Snap and Stadium uh, were uh, were canceled and uh, re-released as carts. Legend of Zelda: uh, Ocarina of Time basically is what they believe was the DD game that got later released. Uh, Ura Zelda or the Master Quest was a DD add-on that was in development and it actually got re-released. If you have the GameCube disc, not the four-part collection yeah. that was part of the Nintendo Power promotion but there was actually a promotional disc where if you what was it if you pre-ordered wind waker if you in the uk if you brought it on launch yeah you got the special edition that came with it yes and i think Two in discs. ours yeah you had to pre-order it and you actually got it's its own product but people sell it nowadays and it's worth a lot because it's got the master quest along with ocarina whereas i don't believe the master quest is in the uh, nintendo power four part one no, which has no, Zelda 1, 2, upscaled, and then... Uh, it's just all great. It's just Uten's Majora's, Majora's Mask. And, of course, Uru Zelda is on the 3DS, which now is a super expensive game as well. Although, I found yeah. it's super expensive in cart. You can buy it digitally for yeah, 30 cheaper. 40 bucks now, no problem. So, all those people who are complaining, I thought back on it, and I was like, well, you just want the fucking cart. Like, you can buy it digitally, no problem. It'll probably be in a sale this year. Yeah, probably will be. Um, then there was Zelda Gaiden, which was re-released as Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. There was Mother 3, which became a GBA cart. And there was an expansion that was going to be called Mother 3.5 or Mother DD, which is a great name. Mother's Double Ds. <laughs> uh, that was canceled. That was full-blown canceled. 
Here's an interesting Can't imagine one. Can't imagine it's called that. Muffet Double D. Yeah, right. Or <laughs> well, Muffet is Double D's. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. Uh, Dobutsu Bancho, or Animal Thugs, mm -hmm. uh, also known as Animal Leader. Uh, the creator of Jungle Park. I have no idea what this game is, but apparently it's a Namco Bandai PC-only game from the late 90s in Japan that's awesome. And the designer of Parappa the Rapper oh, wow. got together in an Animal Thug title. Here's where you'll laugh. Uh, right. This actually <laughs> did come out. Really? Yes. Animal Leader slash Thugs, or Dobutsu Bancho, is better known on the GameCube. And I don't know if you know this game, but it's I think it's easy to find as Cubivore Survival of the Fittest. No, I've not heard, I've heard of this. Okay. So, and I'm going to look at this right now. <laughs> no, this game I want to buy like yesterday. Uh <laughs> Because you play as like a cubed creature that can oh, I have fight, seen. attack, and kill um, other creatures. Mm. Oh, wait. I'm scrolling. So there we go. Cubivore. Um, whoa. Whoa. No, I'm in trouble. Cubivore's worth... Uh, $200 used in America, $1,800 boxed. I don't think it's brought out in this country. Yeah. However, it's 30 bucks in Japan. <laughs> well, there you go. And I do have a region-free GameCube. Well, I don't have a region-free. I have a swap disc. But anyway. But yeah, Cube of War. Uh, oh, it's an Atlas game. So there you go. That's why it's super expensive. Um, but Cube of War, yeah, basically you, you hack and slash creatures. Then you eat them and mutate in various ways, and then there's mating in it. <laughs> so like Tokyo Jungle, then? <laughs> yes, it's archaic Tokyo Jungle, which makes me in. Anyway, I put Hezel's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, next up was a cancel game, Animal Forest. Animal Forest uh, actually moved over to the N64 as a game you may know called Animal Crossing. And it was later ported to the US, UK on the GameCube. So, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know people don't like me to mention this, but fuck this. Um, yeah, B-Mulligan, you may have wanted, <laughs> wanted to hold on to it. If you guys want to play this game, though, if you have a modded Wii, it's not too hard to do, I'll just say. So... Um, yes, I should point out the 2100. The 200 is for um, other, like, used and new copies. The 2100 was one of those ones that's been, like, VGA certified or whatever, 99% yeah. or whatever. It's got a special score. It's that stuff where you put stuff in bubble wrap and it's cool. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <I'd> never um, open it. <laughs> yeah, you can't even look at it, man. Uh, anyway, uh, Dragon Warrior 7 started as mm -hmm. a DD game. That's huge. That means that... Enix was going to give him a chance. Um, and they didn't. And they moved it to the <laughs> PS1. <laughs> yeah. Um, a game you may be familiar with, Jim. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're familiar with this game. Hybrid Heaven. Mm -hmm. Hybrid Heaven started as a DD game. So look at that. You may have never gotten Hybrid Heaven if it weren't for the DD. Uh, Kirby 64, which mm -hmm. also moved to the N64. Mission Impossible. Have you ever played Mission Impossible? Is I've this got, a good game? I've got this. 
No, Fred. Okay, <laughs> just one sure. You're not missing out much here, but I just thought that it just made me laugh that Mission Impossible, not only was it supposed to be for DD, but it was also supposed to get an expansion. <laughs> That's what's funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. That this was game canon. is awful. But okay. if you see it cheap, you, you probably do yourself a service just to be entertained for a couple of minutes. Who's so gay? Anyway, um... <laughs> And then Mystery Dungeon, which you guys mm -hmm. probably know these. Some of you may know them in their later iterations. Sheer and the Wanderer was an early version of Mystery Dungeon, which was on the Super Famicom only in Japan, but it later was re-released on, I think, DS. Maybe it was Game Boy Advance. That yeah. Sheer and the Wanderer is a upgraded or an updated port. Um, Sheer and 2, I forget what it was on. I don't think it came to this country. It might have been N64 in Japan. It might have been GameCube. And then I know we got Sheeran 3, which was Sheeran the Wanderer in America on the Wii. Uh, and then, of course, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, which are seen as, like, kitty uh, roguelikes. Mm. But anyway, there was that. Uh, who knows what became of this particular version? Uh, there was Quest 64. That moved to cart. Isn't that oh, called yeah. something special in your area? Oh, what's it called? Um... I'll, I'll find out. Straight. Okay. <laughs> I actually have this game as well with the alternative title. Oh, well, cool. Is it good? Uh, it's like the only RPG on the system. It, it, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's a cool game to have because, like you said, it was the only, um, yeah, Holy Magic Century. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Holy Magic like, Century. I know. <laughs> um, Which I think is a better title than Quest 64, which just sounds lame. I can give you but, that. Um, uh, it's interesting. It's a it's a weird RPG though because it's just it, you're just one character um, doing turn based battles. So it's not oh, like so you it's don't saga. have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, um, it's 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 a weird game, but um, but yeah, basically it's a lot. It's kind of like it feels like kind of like a collectathon in a way. Um, but it's a, it's a it's one of those typical kind of like because um, it, it you kind of almost forgive it because it's the only one for the console. But you re you wouldn't forgive it if it came out for the PS One, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> by the way, the chat's going nuts. I said cubes with cube <laughs> of war, not pubes. <laughs> um, Go back to the DD references, people. <laughs> anyway, uh, next up, Resident Evil Zero. Okay, so I am so curious I saw in what shape too. that was. You did? Okay, so what was it the same game? Uh, did well, it look anything like it? Oh no no the the Resident Evil Zero but I could be thinking that there were screenshots um, that I think they might be for the N sixty four cart version but there was screenshots in Nintendo magazine for it and um, you would have actually quite liked these frame because Billy the um, infamous criminal yeah. character but his his little tattoo on the on his arm which says mother it did not look as glamorous it looked like it was like etched on with like a knife or something <laughs> it's like I did this with a pen a razor blade and a fuckload of free time. And, it, and it's clear, it clearly says mother, whereas, you know, in the GameCube version, it's a bit more difficult to tell yes. what it says, but it's a lot better in terms of, but it, it looks, it looks blocky. It looks kind of cool. I, I, I kind of like that blocky, crappy graphics of the old Resident Evil games. Cool. Um, well, and, and actually we will, uh, we'll delve deeper into this when we, mm. uh, do the, um, the, 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 the prequel slash. Uh, the, the, we're going to do like a Silent Hill, re, like a Resident Hill or Silent Evil or whatever. We'll think for title. Where we <laughs> do like the pseudo prequels. I don't think Silent Hill has a prequel to the first game. Oh, yeah. Or Origins. Origins. Okay, cool. 
So we'll cover Origins, and we'll talk about Resident Evil Zero and Origins. And I bet Origins wasn't all that well-liked by the mass populace, was it? I, I think Origins and Resident Evil Zero both have very similar um, reviews in terms okay. of people not really accepting them, but they have their fan base. But... Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I think Voss said, and I think he's in the chat so he can let me know, but I think Voss said it wasn't terrible. But no, you know, no, it Voss wasn't. really likes Silent Hill, so... Um, that can go both ways. Um, the last thing I was going to say about um, Resident Evil Zero for the N64 slash the DD um, was it's, it's surprising that we get all these people doing the mods for the HD versus Resident Evil 2, but nobody has done a retro mod of Resident Evil Zero in its original form. Because <laughs> that'd been quite cool. That would have been cool. Um, like a D-make? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and it looks like Resident Evil 4. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, guys, I, I have no inside scoop, but a little birdie kind of accidentally mentioned to me that I think we're going to see zero HD remaster uh, oh, yeah. announced, uh, announced for this summer. So just keep that in mind. Um, in fact, this I definitely don't know about, but couldn't you see like a horrible $50, $60 remaster collection where they do Resident Evil 0, 1, 5, and 6 because those all had high-res PC ports for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. You watch. I bet that collection hits. Anyway, um, Seaman started here. That's Seaman, the game, not Seaman, just guys, <laughs> so you know. Uh, but Seaman was one of those interesting ones because Sega moved it to the Dreamcast. And I'm guessing it wasn't a Sega joint when it was originally <laughs> being developed for the DD, but uh, that's just a hint or a guess. Um and I bet Leonard Nimoy wasn't involved yet. But uh, Snowspeeder 64, which later came out as Snowspeeder 64. I don't know. You guys tell me. Um, oh, Jesus, Jam. Wow. That's what I'm, I'm trying to find a, I'm trying to find a better image. No, yeah, 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 it does. Um, Origins is the closest to the original three outside of Team Silence development. It's okay in short. Oh, cool. You know, I have Origins on the PSP. Is that worth it? Or yeah, is that Shattered Memories that's on the PSP? I think it's Origins. Both, both. Shattered, Memories was, Shattered Memories was released on the PSP, PS2, and Wii. I think I've got Origins, though. Anyway. And Origins is on PS2 and PSP. Okay, cool. Um, Super Mario RPG 2 was supposed to come out on this console. Mm-hmm. It was later uh, ported to the N64 and released as Paper Mario. 12 Tales Conquer 64 was also supposed to release on the DD. It was not the game there. it became. <laughs> Is that when it was the cute version? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it released as Conquer's Bad Fur Day on the N64 later than that. Uh, Ogre Battle Saga was also supposed to be on there. It was the largest game that the N64 has. I don't know if you know that. Um, it's not the largest file size, I don't think. I mm. still think that's Resident Evil 2, but it's the longest, like, largest game. You can get the most hours out of it. Uh, and, of course, it became Ogre Battle 64 on cart. So, yeah, don't try to speed run that over the weekend. <laughs> uh, anything you want to say about these ports, or should we just keep going into canceled stuff? I think we should, we should just run to, run to the canceled ones. we still got a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wanted to have a brief discussion about Sega versus... Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, so one of the games is Cabbage. Cabbage is a creature that lives on, whether the console's on or off. 
even crazier, can be transferred to the Game Boy version of the game that was also supposed to come out, and live portably as well as on your console. It takes date, time, and various other factors uh, for well-being and life into play. It was kind of like a Gigapad, a Tamagotchi, whatnot. Um, and uh, this probably became Nintendogs, if you want my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jam, I have Shattered Memories on the Wii, so that one, that one I'm not worried about, which is why I think I bought Origins on the PSP, because mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't have grabbed it. That's why it was originally released, for, yeah, released for as well. Yeah, so. Um, plus it was Climax, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Anyway, next up is DT, which does not stand for what you guys think it does. Um, this was to be an interactive online card game that worked on the N64 and then you could transfer the data to the Game Boy version much like Cabbage and play Mm. it on the go no idea what became of it or if it's in use today that would have been awesome yeah very much so Um, Saiwan's giving love to the Ogre Battle games yes I still think Ogre Battle the best one is the SNES the Japanese SNES remake of Ogre Battle Tactics on the PlayStation. Anyway, it's called Ogre Battle. Uh, Fire Emblem 64 was canceled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not much is known about this one. It was announced by Miyamoto in 97 and some screens hit Japanese uh, publications in 98. But then in 2000, development was ha- halted. Some say it became the later release bl- Binding Blade, and yet others say Pool of Radiance. But since development was behind locked doors and there's no documentation of such, who knows? It may have just been canceled. And yes, Apparently, yeah. DT, you got the D as in dog, T as in Tom, but uh, I have no idea what it stood for. Anyway, you were saying? Apparently, um, the, the story, I think it's just the storyline from Fire 64 was transferred to one of the um, Game Boy Advance games later. Yeah, I think that's Pool of Radiance. Right, that's the really good one on GB. Oh yeah, of course, of course, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's the game. I was, game. I was, oh, I was no, thinking of just the one that's just called Fire. Because I get confused because one of them's just called Fire Emblem over here. <laughs> that might be the same one. <laughs> so. uh, yes, as in yes. There you go, Tiger Claw. Or I was thinking. Uh, okay, sorry. We'll 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 let the chat in on this. Sorry to get a little mature, but he's a DT as in duck tits. <laughs> I was actually thinking dick oh, tits, thanks to <laughs> Bulletstorm. Uh, right? It's Bulletstorm that has dick tits. Oh, uh, that game the, the lovely people at people can, uh, yeah, the lovely people at people can fly. Um, next up was Dizayamon, which I wish came out. It's make your own shmup. Oh wow, that would be awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Next up, Diablo, and I put yes that yes, one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. And Pokemon RPG. But that would have been interesting. Yeah, except Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, oh, DS, yeah. 3DS. <laughs> but it, it's more the fact that they've never released the Pokemon, well, a proper Pokemon RPG game outside the portable. Because I don't think you'd play it outside the portable. Mm. <laughs> no kid is going to be able to uh, uh, to allow his uh, how his TV to be taken up with what you need for that. That's mostly what you sit the kid down and play on the go. Like, that's the strength of those games. But, yeah, I could see someone making it if you wanted to. Aren't they going to release it on the Wii U Virtual Console? Isn't that what they're planning to do with the Pokemon games? Uh, There's no word of it yet. Oh, I thought they were going to... Yeah, well, I know, but I thought the plans were to do the the GBA ones at least. Yeah, probably. Uh, 
But and probably people, everything else in there. I should point out if you can't get it on GBA, if you don't have a GBA, because um, it's not on the 3DS Virtual Console because they don't have GBA games. Um, Pool of Radiance, the really good Fire Emblem GBA game, is available on the Wii U Virtual Console. So there you go. There's one over here. It's, we, we, over here, we've, it's Fire Emblem and Fire Emblem and the Sacred Stone. So it will be one of those ones. Yeah, I think it, I think that was the Burning Blade or whatever, which is yeah. named differently in our country or something. So of course, because we like to be different. <laughs> <laughs> um. So all right. So that's that's it for the canceled games that we know mm-hmm. of. There were a bunch of other ones that were called like Chosenzin no, you know, Yaba Yaba, and and again, that's not a bad name. It's just like we don't. I I don't know it well enough and i don't know any japanese so sorry um there you go so see voss proves that uh they need to make a home version of pokemon and i'm betting preferably not a port like an actual its own game Mm. so um and actually now that you say that champ i remember when pokemon snap and stadium came out people were like is it a pokemon game on the home consoles (laughs) you know and like it wasn't so um all right well yeah there was some sort of piss poor attempt doing like a Pokemon RPG on the GameCube. I think I think it was like Pokemon Colosseum. They had like a, it had like a solo campaign it was in more it. More of it, like a turn-based fighting game. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't it? what people wanted. It wasn't the authentic Pokemon experience. Exactly. What up, Mado? Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So let's anyway, wrap up with um, why the DD is not Sega. Yeah. So, it's not a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Um, there's also the fact that the DD seemed like it wasn't necessarily... I'd say it was more based around creativity, software, and modems mm. and online support versus the 32X and the, um, and the uh, Sega CD, which were attempts to revitalize the console and like give it more shelf life, right? Yeah. But the, the the DD, as we mentioned right at the beginning, was actually planned before the N64. Voss5 says, isn't it Path of Radiance? I thought it was Pool of Radiance, but I trust you over me, so we'll say it's Path of Radiance. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely trust him over me. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, so whereas the 32X was, and mind you, the 32X had a very similar story to the DD in that it had a very short shelf life, very short time period, but lots of really cool games like Rayman and mm. um, and uh, uh, what was the other one? Um, Crash Bandicoot started life there. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, because the it's software. And it was sold subscription based and like tried to get into your home. It tried to make the DD do things it normally couldn't do. Yeah, it was going to be utilized for games, but you know, in the end, they figured out. And this is something Sega almost never did. They figured out how to get these games to run on the console proper. In fact, it's a, it's a pretty impressive testament to that most of these DD games ended up coming out still. Right, we got mm. almost all of them. Yeah. So. Um, the other thing is some people likened it to the Saturn with the Ram expansion. No, Mm, no. (laughs) Um, and, uh, the Dreamcast with the modem again. (laughs) No, um, maybe 
Maybe. The Dreamcast came with the modem, though. That was built in, wasn't it? Yep, and it was ban- wasn't it non-dial-up, or maybe it was dial-up? It was dial-up here. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking dial-up. Maybe that. you could buy a network adapter, but <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. Play fancy style with that. Fuck yeah, dude. I know, yeah. Every single time the, the modem would lose sync, which is about every five minutes. Fuck, mom! God damn yep. it, why'd you pick up the phone? <laughs> And then you'd go and your save game's gone. That actually was still the case with GameCube also before anybody <laughs> thinks that was exclusive to the Dreamcast owners. But anyway. Uh, well, all right. I I think we've summed up the GameCube. Anything – or sorry, the, the GameCube. DD. That was the GameCube. Did you love it? The N64 no, uh, DD. <laughs> DD. Um, anything else you want to say about it, Jam? Or Well, one well, thing I definitely want to say is that I was keeping a tally. Of, this is just uh, – for the people in the chat is really there was um a total of 87 puns <laughs> we had in the chat <laughs> so i was actually tallying up as they went along and that's I don't why even people... know puns the right word but it was whatever double d could stand for absolutely D could stand for that so. they went everywhere with, with those so. yeah they were pretty good they were pretty good so, so that's why if you can get a chance guys if you're listening to this later you should you do yourself to try and check out the live chat someday because it is absolutely. entertaining <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, then uh, you can check out uh, all of our stuff at gaminghistory101.com. Check out some articles. Jam had a couple of good ones on searching for games and whatnot. And thanks to his uh, his some of his tips for going to mom and pop shops, I managed to find the shield for two ninety nine uh, on <laughs> PS two. Sure so though. there you go. I also was able to find that very beautiful Genesis collection that we gave to our listener. Yeah, that's good. Um, for $6. Mm. Complete. The guys said it was complete. He sent me a picture and he sold it through Amazon. So, like, uh, it's it's like a secure purchase. Um, so, I'd love to hear once he gets it uh, if it's complete. He said the disc looked good. It, he showed me pictures. So, there you go. Um, but also, uh, let's see here. I've got a couple of articles that posted up but mostly you know my stuff is going to be some video projects that'll go live uh throughout the course of this week mm-hmm. um also start preparing your n64 top 10s jam and i will finish that up video will go live uh in early may let's see here get the exact date um next week is our rocket night adventures yeah um, uh game club so you can play that. Uh, you've still got plenty of time to play and even potentially, you know, start to master it. Um, you got one week for that, um, and that'll be on the the 28th. We'll do the show. The, the, the podcast will post on the 29th. I'm also going to put the review live on the 28th. I realize there's once you've been burned out on the game, mm. and because we reference what we think about the game, but only we know what we think about the game, it's probably better that people read the review first and then go into the game club because we really don't talk about okay. the review too much. Mm. So that's going to go live on that day. So me and Jam have a review going live then. Um, so it looks like Tuesday... Um, May the 5th, so Cinco de Mayo, and I'll probably drink tequila that night, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, will be the, the, uh, will be where we, uh, when we release the N64 top 10, so get ready with your stuff, we'll have a giveaway for it, and we definitely want all of your feedback and input on what you think, not only of how shitty ours is, because I know that's coming, <laughs> That's the main topic. Uh, but also, so, yeah. and and will we keep Mario sixty four out of our top ten? Oh, oh God! <laughs> um, and uh, and then we'll uh, 
and then we'll let the community chime in and release the community list. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for all that. Um, Jam, I also wanted to point out, I think I need May to be a catch-up month for a lot of stuff, both modern and retro gaming. So I'm going to play a shit ton of those GameCube games I've got. I've Mm -hmm. purchased about 20 GameCube games in the last month, and I think I might just do a bunch of, like, one game a night quick looks and videos and stuff (laughs) just playing around with those games uh for better or worse and then figure out if i'm going to continue them so may i don't think we're going to do the three game purchase but i think we should bring it back for june oh yeah absolutely so um also if you want to join patreon patreon.com forward slash gaming history on one you can still vote for uh which game will be on our game club it will either be Mega Man x or uh, Sin and Punishment, or um, Majora's Mask. I should point out, all three of those can be found on Virtual Console, aside from their more modern releases uh, that, uh, or well, actually, aside from Mega Man X's various collections and, and, and of course, the SNES version and Sin and Punishment's Japan-only status, you can also get all three of those on the Virtual Console. Um, and, of course, Majora's Mask has the 3DS version, which I'm betting you'll be playing if it wins, right? Mm-hmm. Jam, do you yeah. have the 3DS version? Yeah, yeah, I've got the 3DS version. Okay, yeah, I'll be right. playing the N64 version if we uh, if we do it. So there mm-hmm. you go. So we'll be able to. And I've never played Majora's Masks if we play it. So there's that. But um, anyway, either. So yeah. So uh, stay tuned for that. And until next week, peace out and uh, keep gaming. <laughs>